Today we have with us Dr. Jamin Trivedi. He's an assistant professor at University of Louisville, and he uh, deals with cardiovascular and thoracic surgery. Dr. Trivedi, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, tell our viewers, what does it mean by cardiovascular and thoracic surgery? So uh, cardiovascular by name itself, you can guess that it has something to do with the heart. Sure. And uh, thoracic surgery is basically surgery of organs in the chest area. So when I say chest area, it's primarily lung, food pipe, you know, windpipe, heart, mm -hmm. and anything around it and in between. So, you know, coverings of heart and lung and all those things. Mm -hmm. So within thoracic surgery, there are two main branches. Uh, one branch is uh, cardiovascular that deals with heart disease surgery itself. Okay. And the other branch is thoracic surgery, which primarily deals with lung surgery and uh, foot pipe surgery and other surgeries which are not related to heart. Okay. Did you see a lot of cases um, due to COVID? So uh, patients who have COVID, right, that's, uh, as everybody knows, primary manifestation is a respiratory illness. Mm -hmm. So most of these patients uh, are not critically ill and are managed outside hospital. Okay. The patients who are managed inside hospital, mm -hmm. uh, a small fraction of them are severely ill patients who need ICU stay. Mm -hmm. and intensive care treatment mm -hmm. within the icu uh, you know uh, covid population mm -hmm. even a very small number of patients uh, they have a very severe uh, you know disease in their lung so basically uh, their lungs cannot uh, exchange the gases meaning they cannot intake the oxygen they cannot uh, you know exhale the carbon dioxide mm. so uh, they are flooded basically with uh, 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 fluid uh, due to the uh, viral infection mm. so for those very small number of patients there is an advanced therapy mm. it's called extracorporeal membrane oxygenation okay so in this therapy uh, we bypass the patient's blood and run it through a pump and then that pump goes through a uh, oxygenation where patients' uh, blood gets new oxygen and carbon dioxide is taken off, and that same blood is then put in, uh, put back in the patient. And we have seen, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, I think uh, two or three patients so far. And uh, uh, so far, two patients have favorable outcomes. And for one patient, we are still waiting to see what happens. Okay. But this is a very advanced therapy. And, you know, uh, uh, I'm proud to be associated with a program in state of Kentucky who provides it. Okay, great. Great. Uh, so, and, and this, is, this is the procedure that, that is being performed on certain COVID-positive patients? Yes. Okay. It is, it is being performed and it can turn out to be a life-saving uh, procedure for some of the patients and not everybody is lucky you know and uh, some some patients even with these uh, measures may not survive unfortunately 
Okay. Okay. Uh, you also mentioned that you have areas of interest outside of surgery, uh, uh, particularly in the field of data science and business intelligence and something to do with clinical data. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? So, uh, so uh, let me slightly rephrase. So my, uh, a lot of my work is based on uh, clinical data science at University of Louisville. Okay. And uh, when I say that clinical data science is that I deal uh, with a lot of different uh, databases that has to do with uh, transplant outcomes, uh, cancer outcomes. And I use this data to come up with several predictive modeling uh, and uh, uh, propensity matched outcomes to identify, you know, uh, which patients may be at uh, higher risk of adverse outcomes and what can we do to prevent it. And having said that, along with that, I also have a very small consulting firm uh, where I work with uh, other uh, doctors and clinicians to help them out with their data related questions okay. and along those lines you know I also work and or at least you know trying to work uh, uh, with a small business community who may be able to you know get some help uh, with the data science okay wonderful What exactly is the difference between AI and machine learning? So, um, you know, uh, let me say that there are two uh, answers to this, right? And both answers will tell you the same thing, but one is a modern answer and the other one is not so modern answer. So let me start with uh, not so modern answer. So machine learning, data science, and a lot of terminology around it is basically statistics and data analysis, mm -hmm. right? Now, as we move on, uh, you think that data has become the priceless commodity in current era. Absolutely. Because every, and why it is uh, like that is because uh, we have better uh, computers to analyze the data in real time, and they uh, they can then provide you some valuable information. Right. And uh, this information is then used for several different things. Now, uh, the the modern terminology, as you mentioned, AI or uh, machine learning, is basically you know capturing the data analyzing it, capturing more data, analyzing more, mm -hmm. coming up with predictive modeling, right? Mm -hmm. And then as you accumulate more data, you make better and better model. Okay. So that process of, uh, you know, the model keep learning from the new data coming in mm -hmm. and then putting out a, you know, a better and better sort of updated model as a predictive model is basically machine learning. So each each iteration builds up on the previous one. 
uh, yes, more or less, that's true. Okay. And then, you know, when you apply that to several different, uh, you know, areas, uh, more commonly, which involve uh, human behavior uh, changing data, uh, the terminology then uh, could be used as artificial intelligence. Okay. And a simple example uh, could be that, you know, uh, you are basically, uh, uh, you know, walking on a New York uh, street uh, with your phone's location service on, which is going to show you are walking on some street uh, nearby a, uh, a mobile company store, right? And suddenly you open your Facebook and you get a sponsored advertise oh. of the same company. Yeah. Right? So that's the data science at work, right? Okay. And within seconds is analyzing data, feeding the information back to you, saying yeah. that, hey, this is right around the corner. Okay. So ge geofencing is, I guess, the marketing term for it. Mm -hmm. It builds up upon the knowledge through this data science. Yes. Okay. Okay. What sort of answers? So, so it seems like a lot of these answers are provided uh, through proper understanding of this data. What sort of answers cannot be derived? So, any uh, answer uh, that uh, does not have existing data, right, cannot be provided. Right. Uh, so, so anything that is new, right? Uh, and where there is sort of lack of data, mm -hmm. uh, these things would not be helpful. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the prime example is in front of our eyes, right? Uh, COVID nineteen, right? It, it it like it started and it blew apart everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, slowly uh, we are learning uh, how things work. Mm -hmm. You know how this virus kind of operates within human body. Sure. You know, what are uh, the organs which are most affected? Uh, you know, what uh, what age group of people are most affected? Uh, what, uh, this virus is, uh, you know, killing more people, let's say, in older age group. Mm -hmm. And all those things uh, were not previously known, right? So uh, the decisions you had to make were solely based on your experience, knowledge, and, you know, anything similar to this you may have seen in past. Which was not. Uh, which was, you know, maybe an instance in uh, 2019 when we have the SARS virus or maybe in uh, Moscow in Saudi Arabia a few years back. But other than that, there isn't any uh, relevant information or I shouldn't say any, but was not earlier which is now becoming, you know, uh, more and more. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's like a prime example where uh, this would not work because if you don't have data, you mm -hmm. cannot churn out numbers right. and, and you cannot make decisions. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, some might argue that there's already enough data about COVID-19 and, you know, we can make those models. So when you say that we don't have enough data, just how much, uh, to put it in terms of an Excel sheet, how many rows or how many columns are we talking about? 
So, I mean, the virus has affected what, about 7, 8 million people across the globe, right? Reaching up to 10 million. So you can say 10 million rows. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that's not enough. Who knows, right? We don't know it. So uh, when I say uh, uh, not enough data, I meant not enough data uh, to treat this patient in a meaningful way, right? We, uh, after treating all these patients, we are still not able to find a drug which is a definitive cure, mm. uh, you know, uh, and there are um, uh, a lot of efforts going on uh, everywhere. And mm. you may have seen in news uh, uh, very recently that uh, a commonly used uh, steroid drug, dexamethasone, uh, is going to be very helpful. Mm. Now, uh, it, it took, uh, you can say, roughly uh, five and a half months uh, for this meaningful information to come out. Mm. Uh, and it did come out eventually, uh, you know. So uh, learning how the virus spreads, uh, that is different, right? Mm. Uh, but then learning how people are affected, mm. like we still don't know uh, why some people uh, are more vulnerable than the others, right? Mm. Uh, why uh, older age people are more vulnerable, right? Mm. Like uh, a flu. Flu is uh, very severe in, uh, 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 you know, uh, children, right? Uh, but uh, coronavirus is not uh, very severe in children, right? Most of the children are, uh, you know, like, less likely to get infected. And on top of that, less likely to get severe symptoms, which is unlike flu. So there are so many things that are still unknown, right? Even with the data that we are not able to answer. Eventually, we will be able to answer. But, you know, for that, we need to compile that data. Sure. Okay. So the more we have, the better. And the more granular it is, even better. Right. right. Okay. So on top of all of these things that you're working on and all of these, uh, uh, you know, the title that you hold and then the... Uh, business that you have along with that, the consulting firm that you have along with that. I hear that you are somewhat of a 3D printing enthusiast. Yes, that's true. And I, um, so uh, my, uh, you know, sort of interest in 3D printing comes uh, again from my uh, medical background, uh, which is uh, the ability to, you know, sort of, uh, uh, do some uh, 3D reconstruction of body organs. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that is mainly because it can help in diagnosis of certain things. Uh, plus, uh, it can immensely help in surgical planning. Mm -hmm. So um, a colleague of mine uh, worked on a, a similar project for pediatric uh, heart surgery. Mm -hmm. So you can 3D uh, reconstruct the heart and then print it. And then you can actually cut the printed heart. And then you know exactly where the problem is, right? So when you're going to operate, you know uh, which approach to take or maybe better, right? Okay. So on similar lines, you know, I'm actually working with a, uh, with a, a firm uh, or a hospital in, in Ahmedabad, you know, uh, who have uh, who, who they have a new technology sort of new technique rather uh, to do uh, you know uh, knee surgery uh, for arthritis without uh, implanting any uh, any uh, you know uh, prosthetics. Okay. So 
for them, I am printing some me models. So they use the models, they plan it, and then then they know exactly how much you know bone uh, to cut out and you know restructure and everything. Mm. So uh, and then uh, uh, like recently, uh, you know, uh, everybody is doing this. Yeah. Where am I? And this <laughs> I printed at home. Sorry, say that again. And this one I I, I 3D printed uh, at my place. I oh. have a small 3D printer, not a big one, certainly not an industrial one. So, but you know, I printed some of this uh, just to you know uh, help out with PPE shortage early on. Yeah, very admirable. Uh, how how futuristic is this, and when can we start seeing 3D printers at you know in uh, almost all American households? Oh, I don't know. I think it may be sooner than we uh, expect. But uh, so it's 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 becoming fairly common in certain uh, uh, sort of uh, medical fraternity, common in sort of uh, dentistries. Okay. Uh, because uh, there are some uh, printers and some materials which are uh, FDA approved grade. So you can actually print uh, uh, some dental implants in doctor's office and use them within human body. So it, it's quite possible. Okay. Earlier you mentioned about the reconstruction of body organs. And now these are just for demo purposes or do they? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So when I, when I say reconstruction is that you basically make a model in a plastic, right? So that model is just for your information. It's not for putting it in somebody. Now there, there works. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And then, so now people are working to make a 3D printed uh, organ, which can actually be implanted in a human body. Okay. That means you can print the cell and tissue. Uh, and that research is going on, and I, mean, they, I think there's at least one uh, local firm uh, who is working on it. Uh, but there are so many others all around it. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So I, I think uh, uh, that 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 would be the future. Uh, but I think there is a lot of work and research to be done. Yeah. Uh, dental implant is different because uh, those areas are typically not in um, uh, direct contact with the blood supply so it may be easier okay through this covid situation we have started seeing so many dashboards Yes. We're seeing uh, the number of cases broken down by country, by county. We started seeing trend lines that has become, uh, those terms are becoming more so for the general populace. Mm -hmm. um, is there a particular dashboard that you prefer looking at? And if so, which one and why? Uh, for COVID, right? Um, there are like so many dashboards, right? I mean, uh, you open any news website or any information, there'll be a dashboard. One in particular I have had my interest in is uh, Our World in Data. 
uh, that's like a not-for-profit uh, UK organization. Okay. Uh, UK meaning uh, uh, England. Uh, so uh, they have this uh, uh, dashboard which they update. They provide uh, data broken down by country and whatnot. And there are several other interesting data points they provide. Hmm. And uh, these uh, data points are, you know, uh, related to timeline changes in uh, COVID and its impact and death rates and so many other things. Hmm. So, you know, it, it can uh, provide which countries are doing better than the other countries. And it also goes on to, uh, you know, provide some information as to why some countries are doing better than the others. Hmm. And, you know, so that's why I find that dashboard uh, uh, sort of more informative in terms of, uh, you know, analytics perspective. Okay. So when, so when you're able to visualize everything better, mm -hmm. it helps you make decisions faster. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned about 3D printing within the, con uh, 3D printing within the context of medicine. And we are talking about, uh, you know, data visualization in these dashboards, again, within the context of uh, medical purposes. Is there a business case used to it? Uh, yes, why not, right? I mean, uh, dashboard is a dashboard uh, which can be applied to uh, so many different things, right? And um, I'll start with an example of how we use that in uh, sort of our day-to-day uh, -day practice in, in, in the department, right? Mm -hmm. So we basically uh, perform several different types of surgeries mm -hmm. and uh, we need to track outcomes of these patients, right? We need to make sure that if we are doing a particular type of surgery, how many patients had a complication or, you know, how many patients died and all. So we have those dashboards mm -hmm. and we look at those dashboards, you know, some of them we look at every month, some we look at every year, some we look at every quarter, right? And and we have to because we, we need to know uh, where that line is, uh, you know, going up or coming down, right, from, from where it needs to be. Right. So similar to that, right, I mean, all the businesses, uh, they need, uh, you know, sort of, uh, more and more empowering through this data analytics and dashboard so they know where they're uh, sort of dipping or where, where they are picking up and, you know, uh, what are the reasons behind uh, uh, dipping. Uh, and uh, then the data itself can answer all of those questions. Mm -hmm. So, but, but give us an example of exactly how um, smaller businesses uh, maybe can, can utilize business intelligence. Right. So, uh, just to give an like, uh, let's say, uh, apart from current situation where a lot of businesses had to close for a longer period of time, right? So th there was, let's say, no business for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. But other than that, right? Uh, they uh, they would know uh, where their revenues are, where their you know sales units are, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, you know, and just give you an example of uh, uh, 
a dental firm uh, who is, uh, you know, basically seeing patients doing some, you know, dental work and stuff like that. They, with this thing, you know, they would be able to know, you know, which area they, their patients are more coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, uh, you know, they can target some more patients there. You know, uh, what is the most common uh, dental procedure they are doing, which is generating, uh, you know, not so much more uh, revenue per procedure compared to the other procedure, which, which is generating more revenue per procedure, but they are not doing uh, enough procedures in that area. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can, uh, you know, see why they are not able to do it and maybe try and increase volume of those surgeries. Mm-hmm. So those in, 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 in return increase their profitability. Mm-hmm. We can take, you know, certainly a um, uh, 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 case of pharmacy, right? Uh, where uh, uh, a pharmacy, uh, I'm, I'm talking about local pharmacy, of course, uh, where uh, they would be able to know, you know, uh, where, uh, uh, which doctor's office is, uh, you know, sending them more prescriptions, which is not sending them more prescriptions. So that way they can approach the doctor's office who is not sending them more prescriptions uh, and, you know, try and work uh, something out so that in turn increases their volume. So all these things, you know, uh, uh, you can have a dashboard basically uh, that will uh, say that, okay, you know, these are the dental procedures this month, uh, you know, and this is the breakdown in terms of dollar value, uh, where you're going up, where you're not going up, you're going down, Mm -hmm. and then what you need to do next month. So you can compare it and then, you know, uh, try and strategize around it so that, that it becomes better. Okay. There can be, uh, from what I understand, there can be different charts in right. you know, however you want to visualize it. If you want to visualize it as a pie chart or by area chart. Right. It can be a pie chart. It can be an area chart. It can be a bar chart. It can be like a line chart or it can be a map, right? I mean, uh, uh, you can see like COVID, right? I mean, a lot of things depend on the map. So map can be very useful too. Sure. And that refers to the zip codes that you were mentioning earlier. Exactly. Exactly. So where are the patients coming from? Where are the clients coming from? Exactly. And in this, I give you an example from sort of a dental procedure standpoint, mm-hmm. but that's true for any business, uh, you know, even like a small framing, uh, uh, you know, forum, uh, maybe they can use something like that, right? I mean, who are their, they want to know who are their clients and you know, who are the returning clients and all those things. Okay. Hence the name business intelligence. Exactly. Okay. You know, it, 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 again, it, it kind of is the same thing, right? Data analysis mm-hmm. uh, and then applying it to, uh, you know, your advantage where you need uh, more improvement, whereas where you are doing good. Mm. So on, on those lines, right? Uh, so uh, we have started a firm called a Detect, right? So, which is basically uh, the firm uh, that is a data-driven uh, sort of uh, intelligence uh, provided to small businesses. Mm-hmm. So, what we do is we basically, you know, work with small and mid-sized businesses to identify, you know, what, the, what are their areas of improvement. Mm-hmm. And then we use their data 
Hmm. And then we analyze and provide some dashboards to them. So they know where exactly are the areas of improvement. And then we work with them on how to improve it and how to measure those improvements. So uh, over time, they can visualize all those dashboards and then uh, make and uh, make a more informed data-driven decision. Okay, wonderful. And what's the name of the company? Detect. Okay. Uh, so uh, hopefully this uh, video would have a link to it. So, you know, you can go and check it out. Okay. And, you know, uh, uh, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a sort of a small initiative, but we certainly hope to grow on to that and, you know, try and help out as many uh, small and mid-sized businesses as possible. Great. Well, thank you for a lovely chat this evening. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It was, uh, it was great, you know. And, yeah. uh, you we know hopefully, uh, we'll catch up soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. See you. Yeah. Bye.